pretty busy week last week for the Packers. Now, being out in Arizona, it's kind of a vacuum. You, you kind of get stuck in the in the Brewers' bubble a little bit. Uh, but there's a lot of news with the Packers. Comings and goings continue. Most recently, Dayton Jones and Eddie Lacy leaving Green Bay for Minnesota and Seattle, respectively. So of the losses, what's going to sting the most, and where else might the Packers be looking to add here before the NFL draft? For more, we welcome in the voice of the Packers. It's Wayne Larravee. Hey, Wayne. Hi, Greg. How you doing? I'm doing well. So I, I, I was a little surprised, quite honestly, that Eddie Lacy uh, got away. It, it felt like all along to me that you know, maybe something team-friendly would work out for a player coming off an injury situation, but ultimately that didn't work. How big of a hole is that right now, today, before we get to the draft, Wayne? Um. Well, there's no question there's a void there, uh, but again, they were able to do it without Eddie Lacy last year. When they went on that eight-game winning streak, uh, he wasn't playing. He was nowhere to be seen due to injury. But uh, nonetheless, I, I think there's certainly the Packers are probably, Greg, counting on, you know, again, there's a couple of big names, free agent running backs out there. Uh, Jamal Charles, I believe, is still out there, and Adrian Peterson, if I haven't uh, misspoke, he's still available. But I think what the Packers and a lot of teams around the league are going to do at running back is see who's available in the draft and see if they get the guy they want right there. And then, if not, then that market for the older running backs maybe pops open after the draft. Yeah, that that's kind of how it worked out. I think the year the Packers drafted Lacey, I remember discussion about maybe Steven Jackson coming to Green Bay as a, kind of a veteran toward the back end of his career, but still pretty effective. It turns out the Packers were able to trade down in the second round and get Lacey. So uh, if they don't solve that today, certainly there's opportunities there in April. Well, you know, and the other thing, Greg, I think the second leading running uh, runner in pro football was a rookie fifth round draft choice for Chicago. The Howard kid was second to Ezekiel Elliott in rushing last year, and he was a fifth round draft choice. So think about it. Um, you know, they're good runners, and this is a deeper draft this year for running backs than was the case a year ago. In terms of replacing TJ Lang, Wayne, uh, that seems easier said than done. What are some options here for Ted Thompson and Mike McCarthy? Well, first off, you know, TJ's a big loss on the field. He's still a Pro Bowl player. Um, secondly, I think where the biggest uh, void that he leaves is in the locker room. I mean, he was a leader on that team and, and part of the fabric of the team. And, and so, you know, you understand where TJ was coming from. He got a lot more money to go to Detroit. Um, he uh, would have gotten a lot more money to go to Seattle as well, uh, but decided for family reasons to go to Detroit. You can understand that. Um, but there's a void there. There's no question about that. Um, on the field, boy, you know, I, I, I wonder if the Packers have somebody in mind in the draft. It's not a good year for offensive linemen. Maybe there's somebody they could stopgap with in uh, free agency, but maybe the solution is on the roster. You know, they had a rookie free agent last year um, that they like a lot, spent a lot of time on the practice squad. Um, there's some That's somebody who's going to get a shot. You know, maybe Spriggs gets a shot. He's, he's more a tackle than guard. Um, you know, the Murphy kid they drafted late last year out of Stanford, not sure what his situation will be because we haven't really seen enough of him. Um, Don Barclay, also, if you want a veteran stopgap, he's right there on the roster right now, could be plugged in at guard. Yeah, that's interesting because it, it, it a lot of options, but it, it certainly, as we sit here as fans and look at this, it's it's hard to, to find that suitable replacement. It's hard to see that right now. I think with Lane Taylor, I, I didn't know how good he was going to be. Well, that was a suitable replacement, turned out, for Josh Sitton. I, it, it's always interesting to see what sort of fits and adjustments are made with the guys you have. I, I just hope it's not a force fit, and I'm sure that's for Ted and Mike to figure out, but 
nonetheless, I look at the roster, I see a lot of tackles, but I don't see a lot of guards. Yeah, no, exactly. And, and um, you know, I, I, my thought is maybe the solution to this is not on the roster right now. Maybe not. Um, but, again, uh, the Packers, they kind of grow players from within, especially on the offensive line. And you have to understand where they're coming from, okay? Now, there are a couple of things that came into play here, and I talked about this on my podcast uh, two weeks ago. Um, and, you know... The team has to make a decision, okay? T.J. Lang is going to be 30 years old. Have we seen the best of T.J. Lang? And if, if you've seen the best of a player, it's hard then to go out and pay him more than you've ever paid him for a performance that may not be quite up to what he's done in the past. I'm not saying that's the case with T.J. That's just my speculation. The other factor is this. A lot of teams, and I believe the Packers are included in this, uh, at least from my observation, uh, a lot of teams basically assign numbers to positions, okay? You're going to go $7 million on a, on a guard. You're not going eight nine million dollars. You're not throwing tackle money at someone. Well, in this market in free agency this year, uh, teams were paying tackle money for guards, and that's something the Packers aren't going to do. Voice of the Packers, Wayne Larrabee, joining us on Sports Central, presented by Miller Lite. I wonder if there'll be a change in that, Wayne, moving forward. What you said, you know, paying tackle money for the guards. Hey, it seems like and this goes back to you know Mike Wall, Marco Rivera. You know, overpaying for a guard just is not something Ted Thompson is going to do. But has that market shifted given the importance of interior defensive linemen on the other side? I and mean, those guys are getting bigger, stronger, and faster by the minute. Yeah, you know, you can make a point on that. Um, I don't think there's any question about that. But I think that when you get into the offensive line, you're talking about not just players, but you're talking about scheme as well. So, um, you know, there are ways you can scheme on that in that regard and that type of thing. And, and that's what we may be seeing as we go forward here. But, um, yeah, your point's well taken. I mean, but defensive tackles have always been uh, well paid. And especially if they can push the pocket a little bit, uh, they'll get huge dollars. What does Devon House bring back to Green Bay? Is that 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 seems to be one of those moves that former player comes back to team that it just seems to make sense? Yeah, it does. And I'll tell you what, um, two things. Number one, when Devon House left, he got big money in Jacksonville, and he had had uh, four years of relatively moderate production in Green Bay. Okay, but he gets to Jacksonville, and he has a very good year. His first year there was very good. I believe he had three interceptions. He led the team in pass breakups, had an excellent year. Last year, he started the season as the starter out on the corner, but as the season went along, they started playing more zone, and he's not a zone cover corner. Uh, he's a man-to-man. Guy, he's a physical guy up on the line. He's got good size, that type of thing. He fits what Dom Capers does a lot better than what Jacksonville does now, and that's why he's back in Green Bay. I think he's an upgrade. I really do, Greg. I, I think he's matured as he's gone along in his career, and I think he's going to be a nice upgrade for the Packers at cornerback. Yeah, I think it's a tough question to answer, too, Wayne. And I'm not, I, I'm not certain where I stand on this one yet. I, I like to give Demarius Randall and Quentin Rollins the benefit of the doubt because I know they both had injury issues last year. But I'm not convinced that is 100% the issue. I don't know that their play was, you know, anything short of beyond adequate at the start of the season. So that still makes me a little bit nervous going into year number three, not really knowing what you have here in two corners that were selected you know, pretty early in the draft a couple of years ago. But, Greg, I would caution you in that uh, these two guys, Sam Shields went out in the first half of that Jacksonville game never to return. And that was the one guy they had no – they needed him. They had to have him all year. He was their lead cover corner. Um, then he goes out, and now all of a sudden, Demarius Randall's your number one. 
he's a second year player. I'm sure. I'm sorry, he wasn't ready to be the number one cornerback. Uh, Quentin Rollins moves up in the pecking order, and eventually, the guy who overtakes both of them is Ladarius, uh, uh, or I should say, uh, uh, Gunter. Uh, Ladarius Gunter. And so, you know, that situation, you had three young guys, three second-year players. Now they're out there on the island uh, trying to play like uh, veterans, and, and it just was tough. That's an awful lot to ask of young players like that. So I think that really, the, from what I've seen, the approach of the Packers is, hey, listen, these guys, yeah, they were banged up, but number two, um, there's we think uh, they drafted him first and second round uh, in uh, you know Randall and Rollins or drafted in the first and second rounds. Hey, it's too early to give up on these guys. They were banged up last year. If they're healthy this year in their third year, maybe they make that jump. And and that's I think what the Packers are counting on. But you know, aside from that, what was glaring uh, in the playoff run was the Packers need speed in that secondary, especially on the cornerback spot. And I think that uh, in this draft, if there's a speed cornerback there that fits what they do defensively, I don't think the Packers will hesitate to take him. Wayne, were you at all surprised at how the tight end position shook out here for the Packers? Yeah, I sure was. I didn't see that coming. Uh, you know, uh, Martellus Bennett, I think, is an upgrade. I really do. I've always liked him as a player. He's been a dominant kind of player and personality in the locker room. And so um, I think that was a great upgrade. And then Lance Kendricks, I think this is a great fit for the Packers. This is a guy you can move in motion and, and do some things with. Um, Martellus Bennett, the thing that makes him uh, a better player than Jared Cook, whom I really liked and the Packers really liked and Aaron Rodgers loved, is the fact that uh, Bennett is a blocker and a receiver at the tight end position. Very smart football-wise downfield. Uh, this is a guy I think was a very much an upgrade for the Packers. Jared Cook was great and did a great job for the Packers when he was healthy. I think Bennett's a better player. Well, it seems like Kendricks gives them some flexibility here too, Wayne. I mean, if they want to do the two tight end thing, okay, you got a couple of guys who were big bodies who can run. But also, the Packers' offense, when they did not have Jared Cook last year, Richard Rodgers just is not that kind of tight end, so it seems like it, it gives him a little bit of coverage. You know, knock on wood here, if something happened to Bennett, we don't have to change too much with the way that Kendricks plays. Am I seeing that right? Yeah, I think you are, but I, I really think the real key, the first thing I thought about when I saw this double acquisition by the Packers, uh, what, within days of each other, um, I thought that, hey, listen, this is the first time we're going to see Mike McCarthy be able to open up his playbook to a page that he really hasn't been able to open it to in his tenure in Green Bay. He has two uh, bona fide tight ends now, and there are a lot of things he can do in the West Coast offense in his version of it with two capable tight ends like this. We haven't seen this yet. We we saw Jermichael Finley out there. We saw you know uh, Jared Cook out there as, as solos more than anything else. Now they've got two guys the defense has to account for. Uh, this is kind of like what Belichick has done in New England over these last several years. A little less than a month away from the Packers' schedule being revealed and a little over a month away from the NFL draft. Well, the offseason goes awfully quick. Wayne, I always appreciate your time. Thanks for checking in, and we'll uh, talk to you again down the road. All right, Greg, thanks very much. Good being with you.